Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast. A podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. The Thinking Practitioner Podcast is supported by ABMP, the Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, and quick reference apps, online scheduling and payments with PocketSuite, and much more. ABMP's CE courses, podcast, and Massage and Bodywork magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, including from both Till and myself. Thinking Practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com forward slash thinking. And we do also want to thank ABMP because today's episode is a special rebroadcast of an episode of the ABMP podcast where Till and Ruth Werner were guests. The ABMP podcast is hosted by Darren Buford and Kristen Coverly. So let's sit in on this conversation. And thanks to ABMP for letting us rebroadcast this episode. I'm Darren Buford. I'm Kristen Coverly. I am Till Luca. And I'm Ruth Werner. And welcome to the ABMP podcast, a podcast where we speak with the massage and bodywork profession. Our guests today, as you just heard, are Ruth Werner and Till Lukau. Ruth is a former massage therapist, a writer, and an NCBTMB approved continuing education provider. She wrote A Massage Therapist's Guide to Pathology, now in its seventh edition, which is used in massage schools worldwide. Ruth is available at ruthwarner.com. Ruth is also the host of the podcast, I Have a Client Who, which runs every other Friday on this very ABMP podcast network. And if that wasn't enough, Ruth is a columnist and frequent feature writer for Massage and Body Work magazine. Till is the author of Advanced Myofascial Techniques, a certified advanced rolfer, and a member of advancedtrainings.com faculty, which offers online training and in-person seminars throughout the United States and abroad. Learn more at advanced-trainings.com. Till is also the co-host of the ABMP-sponsored podcast, The Thinking Practitioner. And if that wasn't enough, Till is a columnist for Massage and Bodywork magazine. Hello, Ruth, Till, and Kristen. And I'm going to jump in before and add that they are both CE providers for the ABMP Education Center. Nice. Yes, we are. Great it's so- to be here with you. It is really fun to be all in the same room at the same time. It is. And podcast listeners, we are going to take advantage of this unique opportunity to have both Till and Ruth with us in person. And we're going to talk about something that they're working on together. Our topic for our pod today is getting comfortable with mystery. So we're going to start the conversation by asking Till and Ruth, what brings you together in person to our studios today? I'll, I'll take that on. So many people know that I live with a chronic cough and have done um, for decades. And last spring, I was co-hosting uh, the Back Jam, an ABMP-sponsored event with Diane Mitkowski, and Till was one of the presenters. And he presented a segment on working with the rib cage, and during which he talked about having a friend come visit and be the model for this segment, and that he had a chronic cough that he felt you know, was, had some, had some improvement because of this work. And that made me um, completely take advantage of my friendship with Till to say, hey, Till, how would it be if I came to visit you? And you maybe tried to see if we could get a handle on my chronic cough. Um, And he was a very good sport. And after he figured out that I actually, yeah, I meant it. Yeah, I was like, sure, why not? And then you like meant it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so, and so here we are. We're taking advantage of. I am completely taking advantage of the opportunity to to stay with my friend and see all of my um, friends in the area, but also to get some 
bodywork to deal with this condition that I have lived with probably since around 96 or 97. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the bodywork and the techniques. But first, Ruth, I know a lot of people listening are probably asking, do you know the cause of your chronic cough? Well, yes and no. I mean, I know some contributing factors. So at that time, um, from the late 90s and up until 2010, I lived in a suburb of Salt Lake City. Uh, So I was at 5,000 feet of altitude. We were trapped in some very poor air quality. There's uh, oil refineries and gravel pits and um, temperature inversions. And also during this time, I was working at a school. I was lecturing probably 12 hours a week. I was singing in a church choir and I was traveling 10, 15 weekends a year to do, you know, eight or 12 hours of lecture over a weekend. And between all of those things, um, I developed a cough. And in, in many ways, to me, it seemed that the cough sort of took over from my regular seasonal allergies. I used to have just really awful seasonal allergies with coughing, with sneezing and runny eyes and itching and all that stuff. And it was so odd that one year it just seemed to stop. I didn't have my seasonal allergies anymore, but that's when my cough developed. And I don't know what the point-to-point correlation is. I just noticed that that was a change that happened. But then my cough just didn't get better and it didn't get better and it didn't get better. And if I ever get any little respiratory thing, it gets, you know, blown way, way up. I have, um, so in terms of causes, probably it was a combination of a number of different things. But even after having been away from that environment now for 13 years, um, you know, I continue to have a cough and uh, it would be really lovely someday to not have a cough, but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure that that is ever going to happen. So Ruth, listeners probably want to know, you did move from the Utah area to... To the Oregon coast with the best, cleanest, freshest air on the planet. And that didn't change anything. It did not change anything. I was, I was hopeful because I, I, re, I noticed when I lived in Utah, when I could travel to sea level, that it, to me, I, the way I described it, it was like breathing balm. You know, it felt so good to bring in some air that wasn't hot and dry. But living in, living in Oregon has not made a substantial change. And over the years, you've seen different types of practitioners and received different types of treatments from acupuncture to chiropractic, et cetera, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the first thing that I, as a pathology educator, wanted to do was rule out, you know, worst case scenarios. And so I spent time in the conventional medical community going through lots of tests. They tested my thyroid. I had thyroid nodules. That was really exciting. And a few other things. And after all those tests, you know, you get the call that probably lots of our listeners have had, which is to say, oh, congratulations, Mrs. Warner. There's nothing wrong with you. And I kind of respond by going, oh, (laughs) that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, And, you know, it's better that I don't have tuberculosis or congestive heart failure or, you know, any number of other worst case scenarios. That's fine. But it didn't leave me with a lot of options. One year, um, I had some colleagues through the school where I was teaching. So I spent um, a summer going every week to an interdisciplinary clinic where I would get acupuncture and uh, craniosacral work and chiropractic. And I think there was another intervention. There was, and there was a naturopath there as well. And, uh, and it felt to me like over the course of that summer, we maybe, you know, made some progress. Um, and then it was over and we didn't, weren't, you know, very careful about writing down who did what when and the benefits subsided and, you know, 
here I am again. So, uh, and, and since that time, I've continued to go through pretty extensive testing and went through a lot of work at OHSU, uh, Oregon Health Sciences University. They put a scope down to watch my larynx and my swallowing, and they were a little bit appalled when they asked me to speak and, and they basically, they said count to 10 because they wanted to watch the thing on the TV screen. And I went one, two, <laughs> they're used to people going as fast as they can because it's not pleasant to have a garden hose shoved down the back of your throat. But I was just, I was fascinated to see what they saw. And they saw I have a tiny, tiny little bit of excursion with a hiatal hernia. I don't have reflux. And I don't have anything else that they could identify. So they basically sent me away saying, yeah, it's, you know, the best we can give you is it some kind of motor neuropathy and here work with this speech pathologist, which I did with some success um, and, and still have a cough. And that leads us to today where you're here to work with Till. So Till, talk to us. What's your thought process when a client like Ruth comes with a chronic condition that may not have a identifiable cause? Those are the most interesting ones to me because there's always multidimensional factors going on in every symptom. And the times that nothing seems to help or we can't figure out how to stop the symptom that we want to get rid of are the biggest opportunities really for shifting the way we see things, the way we work and getting really adaptable as a practitioner or really finding a way to work with our clients as opposed to working on them. If there was a magic muscle I could just massage and stop Ruth's cough, that would be wonderful. But it is not. That's known. not how it works. Yeah, it's not known to me. Darn it. <laughs> so if you're still listening now after hearing that, <laughs> then I want to try to talk about what I hope does help. And it starts with, I mean, it's wonderful doing it with you, Ruth, because we're friends and colleagues and you're an educated uh, practitioner yourself. You're in the field. So I get to uh, narrate almost to myself. I get to think out loud with you. And that's kind of the approach I take with my clients, maybe in a different way. But really, I'm looking first and foremost to become co-investigators in this question of this mystery that we're pre presented with, a symptom that you haven't been able to find relief from. And we're sort of going on this little adventure. Yeah, that's right. Really, that's what that's doing is it's laying out or maybe it's recalibrating the expectations because people want not to cough. They want the shoulder not to hurt. They want the migraine to go away. That's why they come to us. And we as practitioners want to help them with that. And it's amazing how often we can. We just do our work and that symptom is gone. And yet, and then sometimes. <laughs> and then sometimes <laughs> there's people like me. And, and one of the things I have learned, and, and you just sort of alluded to it, is, is the crossover. First of all, chronic cough is not, is not rare. It's really common and doctors hate it because it just doesn't respond to the easy fixes. And there's so much overlap in the life experience of living with chronic cough as compared to something like living with chronic pain in the sense that it's invisible, doesn't have a specific cause, doesn't have a specific way to fix it. And it impacts virtually every part of my decision-making, you know, through the day. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that people who live with really severe chronic pain um, don't have it bad. And I, and I feel like I have come to a certain level of peace with living with a chronic cough, figured out appropriate accommodations that work for me. Um, but it is, there are, there are similarities to for lack of a better word, to being stuck um, with this challenge. And, um, and it certainly has given me 
a different understanding of what living with chronic illness um, is. There's a lot to say about that. There's, I mean, there's having had chronic symptoms myself that no one could help me with, and those being really influential in my thinking and my work and my approach. Uh, there's a lot we could say about that, including the sense of aloneness or hopelessness or uh, not being believed or being minimized, all those things that can come with, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. We're happy to tell you that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have a limited bandwidth, right? And so my goal and and then the goal that I suggest for people who live with chronic illness is to understand it's there. It's part of your of what's on your plate. What we'd like to do is help it be a relatively small part of what's on your plate and that your plate is filled up with lots of other things that you love. Um, but that's and that's not my I did. That's not my imagery. I didn't make that up. Someone else made that up. But I, it works for me. And I, you know, I feel like in general, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. And there are times when it just really, really makes me angry that I'm living with this stupid thing. So Till, talk to us about your process. Um, I know Ruth was first introduced to, the, to this idea of from a class you were teaching about working with the rib cage. Uh-huh. So is, I'm guessing, is that where you're going to start with Ruth and then you'll explore and keep trying and do different things? Or tell us a little bit about your treatment planning process. Right. We are a practical culture, body workers, massage therapists. We want to know what to do. We want to know what structure to target, what to, how to do it, how many times to do it. And if we knew that, there wouldn't be chronic symptoms. And so a lot of it is, uh, my, my, I do have a process. And the process starts with, again, a relationship, starting this co-investigator relationship in a way that we can discover together what uh, makes a difference. and. For me, the difference can go either way, because if I can provoke a cough, that is really useful information. And it's similar with a lot of symptoms. If like a headache, if I can find a place that increases the headache, I am talking to the headache, to the mechanical factors within the headache. And in theory, if I can make it worse, maybe we can find a way to make it better too. At least we know it's malleable, it's changeable. And sometimes that by itself gives people a lot of hope. Like you can, oh, there's actually something I can do that changes this intransigent chronic symptom, whether it's a headache, a cough, or even pain. And that feels to me especially true when you're talking about central nervous system involvement, right? Because this is essentially, at this point, a type of central sensitization. And, you know, it is easy to leap to the conclusion, oh, well, swear word, that's my central nervous system. That's never going to change. You're talking about like the cough uh, centers in the brain that yeah. trigger the physical response of coughing. Right. They're part of the central nervous system. Exactly so. And so, and, and, and we, you know, historically, we don't look at that as being very malleable or very adaptive once, once a pattern has become established. How do I massage that too? Right. But in, as we see with, you know, the way people are now thinking about manual therapy and chronic pain, what maybe we're not getting rid of it. Maybe, maybe we're just turning down the volume. And then the central nervous system can maybe step in and reset some trigger settings. Yeah. Okay. So getting the rapport, getting this co-investigator relationship, trying things together, seeing if we can provoke or relieve it in service of learning about it, but also maybe changing the, here's the big one, the disturbance that causes or the reactivity that happens. If we think about pain for a second, pain is complex. It's many things. But on one level, it's a sensation. On another level, it's an emotional reaction, all kinds of things rolled in together. And teasing those apart can be really, really useful. And so I want to explore that. 
you and I kind of started this a little bit earlier. And I'd love for you to take that word disturbance Uh and and unpack that a little bit because that can mean different things to different hearers. Absolutely. I think of myself, it's almost a working hypothesis, but let me give it to you. I think of myself as someone who works with disturbances, not symptoms. The symptom is is the proximal experience, let's say. It's what we target. We want to try to change it so that I'm not disturbed. But the reason pe- people come to me is because they're disturbed. Not everybody with a chronic cough comes to me. It's the people that are disturbed by the chronic cough. That it's the me. bothersomeness. It's the bothersomeness of it. It's what I don't want to be. Well, I'll raise my hand to that because I'm... Yeah. And why should you? Highly bothered by it at this point. I'm tired of having to put a happy smile and... Right. Um, you know, make the mitigations that I make every single day. Which is where it gets complex because there's so much, um, the A word, which I almost never say with clients is acceptance. There's so much to say, okay, so if we can't get rid of it, let's just work with accepting it. And that sounds like defeat for so many people who are really bothered by what they have going on. Yeah. And I, you know, and that's where I live, right? Yeah. I you're, live already, in, you're already working with that. You're already playing. Yeah. Yeah. And I can do it. And I've managed to build a career as a speaker, um, sort of against all all odds. But what would it be like if I didn't have a cough? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, one of the things that I saw that was that was a little hurtful to me, um, it was on Facebook, and it was in a conversation where people were talking about me, um, and then I happened to stumble across it, and someone said, yeah, I went to a class with her, and she was coughing the whole time, and she oh, never geez. covered her mouth, and what, what is this chick doing teaching pathology? And it, it felt so awful. Mm. And I completely understand it. Um, and I always introduce every class saying, hi, I'm Ruth. I live with a chronic cough. Mm-hmm. I'm not sick. But I, I can, you know, it's, it's one of those things that become, it makes me feel very, very self-conscious about, especially in any kind of face-to-face kind of setting. Ruth, when you cough, does it release and the whole process slowly begins again? I don't know for sure that this answers your question. When I cough, it feels like I'm scratching an itch. Um, And so if you're aware, we were talking at lunch today about people having great big mosquito bite welts, right? And you can decide, I'm not going to scratch that. But it takes all of your focus to not scratch that for a really long time until your nervous system has something else to pay attention to. And that's a lot what what this is like. So there's a relief in the sense of I scratched that itch and I know that, you know, that's not the last time that's going to (laughs) happen. I want to come back to something you said earlier, Till. You mentioned teasing apart the physical and emotional experience. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. And that might be just as simple strategically. It might just be as simple as having someone describe what happens when they cough and really slowing it down to that present moment body-based experience which is huge in and of itself. We're not used to living there. And it takes a while for some of our clients to even know what we're talking about. But if we can find ways to get people interested in their actual sensations, like, oh, it actually, we were playing this yesterday, it starts as a tickle or some kind of sensation deep in here and I can't touch it, but it's in there somewhere. That by myself is an important first step because we have now defined it, described it as a sensation. And it's not a cough yet. It's not even just, maybe not even disturbing yet. It's just a sensation. The basic uh, kind of mindfulness idea that just paying attention to something uh, is a lot in itself. And that then everything else kind of can build around that. But the paying attention to it can be make it self-fulfilling. Make it self-fulfilling mean lead to a cough? Mm-hmm. Okay. The other thing I want to do is 
um, move the goalpost a little bit. If it's a long-term chronic symptom, one of the early things we need to do is recalibrate expectations around that and change what's going to be a satisfying outcome. We come up together with uh, even the idea to investigate and let's see what happens. And there might be a place in there like, okay, so what would be satisfying or what would make this worth it? If we weren't able to find the magic cough muscle and massage it, what would make this time valuable to you? So when uh, a cough becomes, you know, talking about the cough is self-fulfilling, I think, and I say, I said this to you, this is awesome. I want this to be a time <laughs> yeah, when you can cough as much as you want. In fact, the more you cough, the more we can trigger it, the more we can self-fulfill it in this context, the more helpful it is. And I acknowledge that eliminating the cough is, is not a realistic goalpost. It would be awesome, yeah. A, to cough less, and B, to have more tools to um, have a little bit more power over how much it impacts my life. A little more power. Have some tools, have a little more power. And you're, you're a sophisticated client. Everybody kind of knows that. I mean, at some level, people get it. They're like, oh, you haven't been able to get rid of this? Maybe there's something useful here besides just getting rid of it. People are open to that on some level. And on another level, if it hurts, we just want it not to hurt. It's that simple. And that's really human and really understandable. So it's holding, for me as a practitioner, it's holding this kind of paradoxical possibilities and goals as we investigate together. Yeah, we talked about getting comfortable with the mystery, and that's for both the practitioner and the client. So we're talking about like setting realistic goals and changing the goalpost for the client's expectations. But talk to us, Till, about how a practitioner who only wants to help and do the best they can for their client can get comfortable with the idea that you may not be able to find that cough muscle and solve the problem. Uh, the practitioner only wants to help, you're in big trouble. Or... We got to, what we have to really have to do is redefine again what that move that goalpost. What does it mean to help? Because honestly, there's a lot we can do to help anything, anytime, anywhere. And that's what I am loving about listening to your pathology uh, podcast over the years is that I see that nuance emerging more and more that you really do bring in. Well, this, we're not doctors, we're not medical people, we're not actually about trying to. Fix this. fix this or cure this or whatever it is. And yet there's a possibility here for us practitioners to really do some good, really support people, really relieve things, really help in many, many ways. What's your strategy? Right. What are you, what are you doing what with exactly your hands? What exactly are we going to do with our hands? We started yesterday. Actually, we started a couple months ago when you came by a class I was teaching and we got half an hour or whatever it was just to experiment a little bit. And we did that with you, Supine, I think. You mm -hmm. were lying on the table after class and I'm just feeling and asking questions, what happens here, what happens there. And we didn't catch a fish, meaning we didn't provoke a cough. Uh, and, and I was surprised because I fully expected you were working very specifically in my anterior throat, yeah. which is where I reported that's where it feels, you know, uh -huh. tied up to me and, and it, nothing happened. So nothing happened. We didn't find a spot that made you cough, which I did, I'm not surprised about because the thing that coughs is our throat. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole lot more involved. And like the story I told in the back jam, it was my friend, he was in Denver seeking a thorough eval for a long-term chronic call for him, staying at my place, helping me with some filming, and just put him on the table for a demo and working on his ribs. He goes, whoa, that's my cough in there. I can feel that. And so he made a, like a somatic or felt connection of how this thing, someplace we didn't expect it, the side of his rib cage, was actually very connected to his impulse to cough. So I didn't necessarily expect to find 
something in your throat, even though it's your throat that coughs, that would be connected. But we started to rule that out. Yesterday, we worked in a uh, upright position, which is a lot more relevant to coughing and speaking and breathing and you know those kinds of things than lying down on a classic massage position. And we, I was, again, experimenting to see if we could find a place that would either provoke or relieve the ongoing urge to cough. And the focus was what, for my hands, was what moves and what doesn't. And we started with some outer structures of your shoulders, your rib cage, the upper ribs, layers of skin and superficial fascia around your throat, neck, back. And then we moved into some deeper uh, scaling movement with you gently turning your head. Uh, and I was feeling mobility differences left and right. So that was kind of curious to me. But then I was coaching you through some gentle head rotation while I would coax those myofascial compartments, otherwise known as muscles, to <laughs> glide evenly left and right. There was a difference. And it seemed to be getting, my interpretation was I was getting good feedback from you, verbally, non-verbally, that seemed to feel interesting or good enough to continue. And we uh, played with that. And as we were going through this, uh, I noticed that you were not coughing. We had you exploring with the origin of the cough, describing to me where you felt it start. We were experimenting with movement, where you were feeling the possibility for movement. And we learned a few things about this, uh, what would you call it, an electric? I felt I had identified a portion of my neck that felt like a band of static. And then after the neck work that you did, it felt, what was the word we used? I think I, I, think I said it felt scrubbed. Scrubbed. It felt fresh. Yeah. And still, you know, and still does. Yeah. So we identified the some of the sensations that arose with the beginning of the disturbance. We shifted that to a different sensation and even a different image or different metaphor there. And we called it a day. Well, and then shortly before we wrapped up, yeah. I, I got started again. I mean, I inhaled the wrong fleck of saliva or something. I don't know what it was, but it was a really hard one. It was like made up for all that lost time. And I swear to God, it was not on purpose, but it was, <laughs> it was a much more severe, long lasting. It was a fit. Yeah. It was a, yeah. And, and I'm, and I was so angry. I was, I was so angry because I thought, you know, I was almost there. <laughs> I was almost enjoying not coughing and then, yeah. 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 yeah, And that's a, you know, that's another aspect of the disturbance right. issue because it's not just living with a cough. It's yeah. being really mad about it. And again, because I'm talking about you here, I can narrate what was going on for me there. I wouldn't necessarily say this to my client, but my role at that moment was to normalize that and to not, uh, to help give you other options to thinking like, oh, now I blew it. And the metaphor I offered was, okay, so you get a massage, you're driving home, someone cuts you off in traffic and you get tense again. Have you totally, you know, wasted all the value from the massage? Probably not. Maybe if yes, in this but case, I had some, I had some pushback. We had, to some, that. we had some discussion about that. Yeah, yeah, because you know, having a bad driver is an external event, and as someone who has had that experience with some frequency, right? You get a lovely massage, and you and something happens on your way home, and it rattles you, and then you have to sort of con consciously decide to go back into equilibrium. But for me, the cough, uh, uh, rightly or wrongly, or um, what's the word I want? Usefully or not usefully, my cough is, is part of me. It's, an, it's internal to me. 
And you said, well, you know, okay, so stop your digestion. That's part of you. Can you do that? And, <laughs> you know, obviously not. We got, but a, I can, we got into but a fun I, mental, like, yes. Yeah, but I can take steps. Uh -huh. And consciousness have make take conscious actions to influence my digestion, mm. um, and probably still digest things. Anyway, I, it was to very it was a little you, frustrating. And you're saying maybe that you don't feel that in terms of, in relationship to your cough. Not enough. I mean, I I take a lot of steps and I and I manage my cough pretty well, which is why I can have the kind of work you know do the kind of work that I do. Um, but there are times when it's when I would give a lot to not have a cough. For me as a practitioner, it's an interesting moment because it's so easy also to fall in being, into being the ambassador for hope, to being right. the one who's going to hold that point of view and reassure <laughs> you and find reassuring metaphors maybe that you've found ways to debate a little bit. So then we could get into a debate. Is it going to be hope or is it going to be hopelessness? <laughs> Which instantly we've almost solidified our roles. I've taken the hope position. You're stuck with defending the other side. And then how much am I holding on to this just because it's part of my personality now, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be that person. Yeah. But I do want to be realistic. There you go. It is, um, again, I mean, this takes me back to the conversation we had about fibromyalgia years ago, not years, months and months ago, last, last year sometime, you and I and Angie did a, a podcast on fibro and talked a lot about what it is to live with chronic pain and have that chronic pain become so much a part of your identity that that is another obstacle to letting it go. And I wonder how much of this is true of me. Beautiful. Does anybody have anything else before we bring the podcast to a close that you want to say? You have another session or two we're going to do before you go. And I'm going to, for this briefly, I'm going to broaden the lens. We're going to, I think, we'll find out, but I think we're going to investigate more places in your body, more positions. I can't wait. It sounds all right to you? Yeah. Listeners, you, I hope you loved this as much as I did. This has been fantastic to actually work through the process of bodywork sessions and to think intensely, fairly intensely from the perspective of the, the, hearing the client out and hearing uh, Till's approach to how they will be working together. So I want to thank our guests today so much, Till Luca and Ruth Warner. To find out more information about both of them, visit ruthwarner.com and advanced-trainings. Com. Thanks, Till, Ruth, and Kristen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for having us. And thank you both for being with us and for that really open and honest conversation. Your willingness to share so much of your story will really help listeners in both their roles as a practitioner and client. I know that for sure. And we'd like to thank Books of Discovery for sponsoring the Thinking Practitioner podcast. And Books of Discovery has been a part of the massage therapy education for over 20 years. Thousands of schools around the world teach with their textbooks, e-textbooks, and digital resources. Books of Discovery likes to say learning adventures start here, and they see that same spirit here on the Thinking Practitioner podcast and are proud to support our work knowing we share the mission to bring the massage and bodywork community enlivening content that advances our profession. Be sure to check out their collection of e-textbooks and digital learning resources for pathology, kinesiology, anatomy, and physiology at booksofdiscovery.com, where Thinking Practitioner listeners can save 15% by entering Thinking at checkout. And thanks to our listeners and sponsors, you can stop by our sites for show notes, transcripts, and any extras. You can find that over on Till's site at advanced-trainings.com and also on mine at academyofclinicalmassage.com. 
If you have a story to share with us or a question you'd like us to address, just record a short voice memo on your phone and email it to us, and we'll try to work it in. Our email is info at thethinkingpractitioner.com, and we'd love to hear from you there. Or you can look for us on social media. You can find that under our names, Till Luca and mine, Whitney Lowe. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts as it does help other people find the show and you can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts or wherever else you happen to listen. So please do share the word and tell a friend and thanks again for listening.